friends, welcome to episode 244 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? I'm trying to pour tea and not pour it all over the table. Yeah, please don't. That's, I'm doing the best I can. It's okay? very hot. That, you're that's... amazing, amazing. What a time to be alive yeah. here, folks. <laughs> Rob got all the tea in the cup. Oh! Oh, 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 there, no. oh, oh, mm, oh, almost oh, all the tea in the cup. Almost. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. That's what you I'm are. Doing. You're you're doing amazing, sweetie, and we're and we're all watching. <laughs> we're all watching. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. So, uh, no, actually, we're I think we're we're doing all right. We're coming off of uh, this is the first week of work back for me. I know you kind of had to work over the uh, the, the vacation. I had a, time, I had but, a few days that I had to put in. So, but. Uh, uh, but no, it's 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 been a little a little weird. I came back to it and oh, it's a massive pile of work again. Yeah. Asked my boss. Like, I don't know if it's just us, but I feel like that, that maybe there's something going on out there where like you're not allowed to get all your work done or get the work done that you expected to get done. It's just like no, something's going to interrupt you. You thought you were going to do something, but this other thing's going to interrupt you. I mean, you're still working. Yeah. But you're just not doing the thing that you expected. That was that was definitely today. Yeah. Full, full day of work, got nothing accomplished. Yeah. That's kind of how it felt. And so. uh, but uh, but we got uh, we got what Nova Praxis coming up this weekend. We do. Uh, so that's going to be pretty cool. Down one player. That's okay. It happens. Uh, yeah, down one player. But uh, in, it's interestingly the player whose whose uh, whose character's head my character lives in. Uh, that should be hilarious. However, it's decided that that works out. Well, the good news is, I think we've got that ship that we salvaged, which you could you could so set I'm up like a makeshift gonna, apartment. I'm going to upload myself to the ship's computer and just move in there, you know. Yep. And just be the onboard ship's AI. I'm going to be Cortana. It's going to uh, be that amazing. <clears throat> oh, wait a second, that didn't work out for Cortana. Uh, it worked out for Cortana in like the first game. Yeah. Well, okay. Until the Pillar of Autumn got shot out of the sky in the That's first 20 minutes. That's why I was saying it really didn't work out for... But then she moved into Master Chief's head and everything was copacetic for like a game or two. Yeah. Then I think she went rampant. But, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really up on my Halo lore. That's all fair. I'm up on my Marathon lore, though, and I know all about those AI going rampant. And it's still Bungie, so... Still Bungie. Still Bungie. Uh, but yeah, no, we're going to we're gonna have a lot of fun with uh, Nova Praxis. It'd be good to see the gang again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, happy 2024. Yeah. We stepped into this new year, and it's slow. Like, it's a, it's kind of just a ginger walk. It doesn't feel like a new year yet to me. No. Like, I, I, I was kind of, I, I think we all kind of go into it expecting a big transformation. of Like, oh, this isn't 2023 anymore. This is 2024. No, it still feels like 2023. Like, yeah, like we never left it. It's still like last week, you know. Everything's still clawing on us. <laughs> yep. But we have a show topic. Yeah. We do. Ish. No, it's it's definitely one. It was it's definitely this it. one was gifted to us by one of our contributors. Yes, um, as we had uh, we said last show, um, uh, which you can do as well if you if you uh, join us on our Discord and uh, uh, also our, our our part of our Patreon. We 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 love suggestions. We really really do because mm-hmm. it helps us kind of stay better in contact with the community and what's going on beyond our tables. Yeah, exactly. And I thought this was very fitting. Like we kind of we've gone over this topic on a couple different shows. But really, uh, what was being discussed here was the need to understand group harmony, and how does DM how do DMs help 
with it. Right, right, right. Um, I think we've talked about like the different styles of players and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and we've talked a little bit about player etiquette and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. we've never really talked about like how to keep the table together. Yeah. And how do you, as the as the storyteller, as the, the, the proverbial eye of that storm, how do you handle all the various people at your table and keep one big cohesive group, keep everybody happy, keep everybody involved? Yeah, I think fun. keeping everyone happy is an impossibility. Don't even try that. But, uh, but more along the lines of what are you obligated to do? Right. You know what's expected. You know of a good storyteller because there's a lot of like false beliefs. I think from people who who see stuff like uh, you know, uh, Critical Role and sees how see how well they all click together mm-hmm. and just assumes that like, hey, you know, that's that's how all games need to run. Right, right, right. Matt doesn't have to do anything in those games. Those players just know how to play together. And, like, you watch other Let's Plays, and etiquette isn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just assumed. Again, the DM isn't wrangling anyone. There's no side discussion about, like, hey, dude, like, that that was not the right thing to do or anything like that. There, nor is there any, like, we want to go do this thing, and everyone else is doing that. Yeah, Like, yeah. they're all professionals, <clears throat> and in that... It's it just seems to flow. Yeah, and and I, I I think you know it's on one hand it's it's good to have those things out there and they're really good pieces of media like you said like Critical Role, uh, Dimension Twenty, you know, yeah. uh, productions like that. But you know, keeping in mind that those are pro- professionals with a production crew. Well, not only that, they're professionals in in that they've always followed a script and flow mm-hmm. together. Like, that's just, I mean, if you do that your entire, like, I assure you that if you got a bunch of even even SNL people together, mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, or any of the, the ad-lib stand-ups that are out there, they're all gonna play D&D just fine together. Oh, yeah, 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 and, and, and that's kind of what I was getting at, is that they're, they're there with kind of the single-minded purpose of making the, the production that they are, because that's where they come from, you know, that's what they're trained in. Mm-hmm. Um, where is at our tables? We're, we're not. We're definitely not. We're, we're definitely we're, not. We're a bunch of people who are like, huh? Yeah, I can fit you in on Wednesdays between seven and nine for a quick D and D game. Sure, but you, you know? don't know that that person also likes to, you know, I don't know. They want to be the explorer. They yeah. want to find every little thing. You start talking about a mountain, they want to go climb it. You you talk about a, a certain, you know, secret waterfall, they want to be there. Yeah, like, exactly. Versus the person who just wants to literally fight everything. Yeah. yeah. Bar fights, wonderful. Goblins, got them. Is that a huge encampment of undead? We're going in. So we, we actually had a, a, a big discussion previously about uh, the different types of players there are mm-hmm. in episode, get ready for this. Seven. <laughs> so you gotta go. You gotta go way back in our. Of course, it's a way back machine. Way, way back in our in our in our, in our logs. We were still back with a podcast Detroit at that point. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Um, you'll hear a difference in that show. Yeah, definitely hear definitely a difference hear a difference in the show. show. But uh, we did talk about uh, like some of the different player types and stuff like that. Um, we've also talked about table etiquette and such like that before as well. Episode nine. Uh, episode yes. nine. Yeah. Episode nine. Um. But I think it's important to recognize, you know, first off, that there are all sorts of different players out there. I mean, some are very story focused. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. A lot of basically our players, uh, we we kind of share the same sort of group of players in our in our games. We've cultivated them. We're, we're more all more or less story focused. Um, some of us are mechanical focused. Yeah. Um, 
And that's, I mean, usually combat focused, but Mm -hmm. not always. But uh, there are people who like to engage with the, um, engage with the games like games. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. there is a set of mechanics. I'm going to engage with your world through those mechanics Mm -hmm. and try to manipulate those mechanics to make the outcomes that I want. Yeah, I will be the best wizard. Right. You know, or in in the case of something like, uh, you know, uh, Vampire, I am going to engage through whatever clan gives me the best abilities. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's sometimes power gaming, but sometimes it's just min-maxing what yeah. you want. I'm I'm not I'm not even ascribing uh, you know, a a word to it because yeah. I don't I don't even want to get into be calling it a pejorative. It's just people yeah. people experience games differently, you know. Yeah. Um you've got some like said that are puzzle focused. They're Ooh, trying yeah. to like they're not necessarily engaging with the game mechanics as much but they're trying to figure out what it is the the storyteller wants to happen mm-hmm. so that they can quote unquote win the scenario you know yeah um how do i play every everything in a way that will come out to my advantage yeah what's the angles i can get on this right right right, right. um there's i i think the the one that is interesting and often forgotten about mm-hmm. is the one who is trying to help everyone else have a fun time yes Yes. You know, leaning into their backgrounds, leaning into their stories, asking questions, tr- trying to, you know, push that character, the other characters around them mm-hmm. into lights. The quintessential support character that when you ask them what they want to play in your game, they say, well, what does the group need? Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's the type of character, that's the type of player we're talking about there. Mm-hmm. You know, and then uh, there are, you know, uh, uh, some who really are just there to engage in their own power fantasy. And again, not as a pejorative. No, no. It's, you know, I love feeling powerful. It's one of the big reasons why I'm, I'm on such a monster hunter kick right now, mm-hmm. along with apparently half of everybody else in the gaming world. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I love the power fantasy of, mm-hmm. like, wielding a hammer the size of a washing machine mm-hmm. and, you know, slamming that into a, a fire-breathing T-Rex's skull and watching him stagger across a jungle, you know? Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, I, I'm of course that feels great. Yeah, yeah. You know? And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Games are meant to be fun. And that's, it's a beautiful thing. Great little bit of escapism, especially in our, you know, our bleak world where sometimes, you know, the the game may be the only bit of light you get all week of, between work and family obligations and such like that. Yeah. You know, of It's course. something you plan for. Yeah. Hobbies are meant to be that way, but that doesn't disclude the other person at the table, the storyteller. Yeah, exactly. The storyteller is a player. And their style's are just as different as the people at the table, mm-hmm. right? They might run a mechanics-heavy game. Maybe maybe they like the mechanics of the game. Maybe they really want to push it out there. Even games that aren't in their own method mechanics-heavy, like, I like Fate's aspects. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. I've watched DMs just eat that stuff up. Mm-hmm. They love that piece to it. And, I mean, that's a mechanic of the game that they're very interested in. I loved 7C for Drama Dice. I thought it was one of the best mechanics that it had, only to discover it's now everywhere in some yeah. aspect, which is great. That's wonderful to see. If we're playing Savage Worlds. It's basically Benny's, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a way. Yeah, and I think in the same regard, we have, you know, the, the, the flip sides to some of the other pieces. Sure. You know, you have uh, DMs who are mechanics-heavy for the sake of the story, right? Mm-hmm. Where they're going to lean into things like, <clears throat> I think Brindlewood Bay is a great example of that, mm-hmm. where they're 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 hovering through the mechanics to make the story come alive, almost on rails. But the thing is, is it's it's 
if you're if you're running the game as it should be run, mm-hmm. you're sticking to that guideline that they've give you to not make it on rails. If yeah, you yeah, will. yeah, yeah. You know, but again, that's that's a, a different aspect than somebody who really likes puzzles mm-hmm. or situations or adventures. Like maybe they just want to make an episodic adventure. Yeah, sure, sure. Again, that's a they, that's a completely different style. As as the as the kids on Tumblr say, they just want to put their blorbos in situations. That's right. That's you know? right. The, all the blorbos at the table. <laughs> and then of course, you know, you've got your people who have grand stories, who who love this world that they have built. Mm-hmm. The giant sandbox that is before everyone and they want to talk about every aspect of it. Or even the people who just have, like, a, a cast. Yeah. Like, I have seen more people who enjoy building casts than worlds. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. I, I mean, honestly, that that's kind of that's kind of me. I mean, you you build you build complex situations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in your in your your things. I build very simple situations, but I put I put all the work you put in your situations in into people. my NPCs. Yep, yep, yep. And so everybody involved in the basic situation is a living, breathing person. I love building casts like that. You know, it's wonderful. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, like you're you're effectively Shakespearean things up uh-huh. where the where the situation will occur regardless of the setting. Sure. And that's that's a fantastic way of looking at things, uh-huh. you know. Um, so, what's the complication there when things don't match? Is it a matter of the storyteller and the players? Is it player to player? Is it between players? Sometimes it can be everything. Yeah. Sometimes it can just be part of that. But either way, it's a form of conflict that produces grinding and or some straight up unfun. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it, 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 the thing is, it's, it's one of those things. It's it's kind of like um, I kind of liken it to like problems in a relationship. You know, mm-hmm. if like somebody like leaves their clothes all over the floor, or, like doesn't wash the dishes or something like that. You know, it can it can be like okay, the first time it happens, you're like mm, okay, that's unmanaged we, expectations. Unmanaged expectations. We should we should work on this. But like if it goes unchecked, it can like breed resentment, mm-hmm. and it, then mm-hmm. it starts conflating itself into like actual problems where you start yelling at the person over addition the sink you know right because it's meaning more to you than them exactly exactly and so it's it's one of these things where like if if these it can cause bigger problems but we should talk about them and try to a identify them before they become big problems Mm -hmm. and b what can you do then to work these these issues out um i always like examples for our people so that they can follow this a simple one is Maybe a few people at the table are really narrative-focused. They want plot and story progression to continue. They want to feel that uh, that their characters aren't worried about the numbers so much as they are worried about individuals or NPC stories within things. Yeah, yeah. And then somebody at that table is literally there to win. They're, they're the min-maxer that walked in and went, my character beats everything. Right. They're, they're trying to Mary Sue themselves through every situation yeah. that involves a conflict to the advantage, maybe of the group as a whole. Well, again, I, I kind of don't want to – I want to stay away from the negative connotations here. Um, I don't want to toss out words like Mary Sue and stuff like that because Fair this enough. this player could just be one of those players, like I said, that engages with a game through its mechanics. Okay, mm-hmm. and the mechanics for them becomes a puzzle mm-hmm. of like, okay, how do I fit them? It's fun for me, yeah, to fit mechanic A with mechanic B and creates a combo of effects that is very good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you see this a lot in video games. You know, mm-hmm. like what what's optimal? Yeah. Oh God. You know, yeah. 
and and you know what's what's meta yeah and it is car- this the goat it carries it carries <laughs> over into into role playing games because they're they're systems of numbers they're systems of mechanics yeah it's fun for some people to just engage with those mechanics and try to like really get into them and and, and use them in the best way. But what can happen with that then mm-hmm. is you've got someone at the table then who is the most optimal player in the world and can do 173 points of damage to that red dragon that you put in for funsies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now suddenly he has erased the threat from the table and you're like, I wanted that to be a social encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Or or they they do the other piece of that, which is the... Uh, is that they don't want combat, but they literally are trying to win every social encounter. Win every social encounter. Mm-hmm. Doing the same same thing. Again, it, it's just an encounter. It's just a mechanic for them. It's a way to win. And they're having fun with it because of the fact that they're not a person who engages narratively. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they just don't understand it. Maybe they don't like that. Maybe that doesn't bring joy to them. Right? This does not spark joy. So you have... A lot of different ways, and, and we, we, we've definitely had the groups where it's, you know, narrative versus murder hobos. Whether that's the storyteller wanting narrative and the players being the murder hobos, or or worse, you know, it's part and part, you know? Yeah. You've got a storyteller who's trying to decide, should the game be murder hobos, or should the game be, uh, should the game be narrative, and you've got a split group. Yeah. You know? Or... Or you have a storyteller who just wants a narrative, and all the players are murder hobos. You yeah, know, that, I mean, those it, are all things. Sometimes you you get you get the storyteller looking for one type of game, and literally all of the, it's not even conflict between the players. The players are all united. It's just different from what the storyteller had in mind. You know, and and I've read I've read that so many times oh, yeah. where it just the storyteller is unprepared for what the players' expectations were. Mm-hmm. So, I I guess to me. We have to set some responsibilities sure. on both sides because the one thing that I've, if I've learned anything in these 40 plus years of my life is uh, that if you set expectations for someone else, whether it's the storyteller to the players or the player to the storyteller or player to player, where the other person hasn't consented to their responsibility in and you you understand there's an understanding there. That expectation can't be met, can't be achieved, can't can't even be accepted. At that point, you're just setting them up to fail mm-hmm. because it's a silent expectation, which isn't an expectation at that point. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's an expectation in your mind, but there's there's no way for them to fulfill it. Right, right. You know, well, every player would know this. N- no, no, they wouldn't. It's it's that it's like I was talking about earlier. You know, where you if if you don't address the problems in a relationship, suddenly mm-hmm. you're you find yourself two three months later screaming at your partner because they put a dirty dish in the sink. You no, know exactly. And they're like they weren't part of the whole discussion that you've been having with yourself for three months. Exactly. Going, why are they doing this? They should know better. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they don't because you haven't said anything. <laughs> So let's start at the top with uh, with the storyteller. Yeah. I think that's a great place to start because I think it starts setting the stage. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think step one definitely is set proper expectations mm-hmm. for your players, okay? What is your game going to be? What sort of story are you presenting? Right. So if your okay. players don't know that it's a fear-based survival game 
with gritty realism. And you're just like, we're going to play D&D. Right, they don't know. Okay, they don't know, you know. <laughs> and, and even if you describe the scenario in dark terms, it doesn't mean they're accepting of that. Right, right. Uh, you know, is it going to be open world exploration, sandbox? Are they mm-hmm. going to expect to do a lot of the heavy lifting in the in, in, in doing the story? Or is this going to be more of an on-rails craft experience? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be rolling on random charts for everything a la uh, OC, uh, you know, uh, our, uh, um, what's the term I'm looking for? OGL. There you go. No, not no. OGL. OSR. OSR. Thank you. It's okay. Oh, did I not? Rem- I knew it started with an O. It's okay. Um, OSR. Or are you going to be? You know, is it going to be a lot more of a like I said, crafted sort of mm-hmm, uh, sort of experience? Mm-hmm. Um, do you need to show up to every game session? Or That's is huge. It, or is it going to be just a hey, whoever shows up plays, drop yep. in, drop out. It's going to be run weekly and you know, very episodic sort of stuff. Yeah. Um. Do players need to know and understand all the rules? Yes, you do. Do they need to, you know... Read the book. Read yes. the book. Yes, you do. Um, should should you do those things? Yes. But some games are like, hey, I'm learning the system too. Yeah. Let's learn it together. That That's a that's a great expectation start point. Yeah, and, and, and look, obviously not everybody has the time to cram an entire rule system into their head and stuff like that. We've all got lives. We've all got, you know... But know your know your character. But, but you should at least know your character, you know? Yeah. Um... Do they need miniatures? Yeah. You know, are there outside expectations of like, are you going to be purchasing a miniature or an STL file or something like that? Um, are there digital assets you're going to need for like a character sheet? Do you need to have D&D beyond? Right. You know, to, to, to run your character sheet. Are, are we going, are we playing on Roll20 or um, uh, Foundry VTT or something mm-hmm. like that? You know, do you need access to those things? Exactly. So exactly. these are all things you should set expectations with. Your players should know and understand these things going in. And there might be some negotiations there. Sure. As a storyteller, you need to be flexible at that point because what you may establish may not be something that the group is comfortable with. Mm-hmm. This includes lines and veils. Yeah. So beyond just the, the, the preparing of the story and presenting that as an interesting thing... These other aspects come into play because while they're thinking up their characters, they need to know what what is being set before them as far as the story world is concerned. Yeah. So. Uh, so your st- your second step, I think, here is to recognize the different play styles at your table. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to get to know your players. No, yeah. I mean, you and I are very fortunate in that we know all of our players as friends first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have these relationships built up with them. But there was still, like, a couple players I haven't really had extensive play with um mm-hmm. the mad elf um uh uh, uh steve mm-hmm. uh, i hadn't really played with um i could only run a game for vicky once or twice mm-hmm. uh but i'd played alongside her so i kind of had some some, some feelings there, yeah, you know? yeah um but uh and, and actually believe it or not sean yeah, who is my 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 partner of you know over a decade now? Uh, but this is the first time we've really had an uh, opportunity to play in a in a role playing game together mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. this. So I had to learn his play style too. And what's funny is is and I've I've read this a lot of times. Asking your players' play style doesn't work every time because some players, if they've only ever played RPGs on PC have an idea of what they want to be, and then mm-hmm. once they sit at the table, all those go away. Heck, They're I'm just... an experienced role player, and I'll tell you that happens every single time I, have, I pull out a character. Yeah, and it's that is common. Sometimes mm-hmm. the world sets the tone for what 
is how is how the player will interact with it. Yeah. So it's it, learning your player's um playstyle is a little bit more of a subtle approach. It's mm-hmm. more of a kind of an observational thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like you said going to be solved as directly as, "Hey, what's your playstyle?" "Oh, I'm a role-play heavy narrative player." Mm-hmm. "Okay, cool. Good talk." You know. Yeah. That's not going to happen. It's going to be more like, "Okay, I see as I'm as I'm running my story, this person gets very excited and animated when we get into combat, and has all sorts of great ideas, mm-hmm. and knows the combat mechanics of this of this game system intimately, mm-hmm. but seems lost and despondent pretty much any other scene when guns aren't being drawn. Mm-hmm. I think I got a bead on what lights this per this this person's fire, you know, yeah. um, and then." You know, I I think the other part, too, is keeping an ongoing dialogue with them as well. You Mm -hmm. know, run ideas past them. Let them be part of the collaborative storytelling. Uh, You know, what are you guys interested in um, in learning? You know, are you learning? uh, Are you interested in learning more about the the lore behind this dungeon? Mm -hmm. No, not really. Okay, then I won't bother writing it too deeply. Thank Mm -hmm. you for saving me time, you know? Yeah. But you understand there, what you've learned is that when they said no, it's not that they're not interested in that, in in your story. They're just not interested in, like, getting into those aspects of, like, I don't really care why this place was built. I just kind of want the treasure at the end of it. Okay, cool. Yeah, and don't take it personally. Yeah. I think that's the key to the feedback coming from these things is that, these people just, they, they're already there for the game. Yeah. Now it's just a matter of don't build so much in your head of what you expected that game to be without interacting with them. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. So, you know, just, just ask them what they like. If they say if they say they like something, put more of that in there. If they say they don't like something, don't bother putting it in there. They're saving you work. And I, I think that is where we step into this next piece, mm-hmm. which I am so glad... I stumbled across it, brought mm-hmm. it up because I think it is one of those things that is going to come back up for us at least as we go through. Now we've talked about food as a metaphor and cooking as a metaphor. Yeah, yeah. But when I came across the term, the it being a caterer mm-hmm. of your game, and I was just like, okay, I like this a lot because we often talk about you know you know doing the meat and potatoes kind of story. Yeah, you right? describe that as my storytelling style and I've really adopted that as like a personal credo almost. Yeah, I, I, and I think it's I think it's pretty amazing, but it's no different than like trying to order a pizza at your table mm-hmm. or order any meal at your table, yeah. right? Because yeah. everyone has to be on board at a certain level and then it's a catered experience at that point. Yes. But only so far. So right. uh so when I ran across this, I, I I I gobbled it up initially and then passed it to you to kind of I guess squeegee my thoughts yeah. away that was yeah. so I, so let's let's give credit where credit is due. So so number three on this is cater to those tastes. Okay, once you discover what those tastes are, you start catering to them. You are the one providing that story experience. Don't serve a dish that your players don't want to eat. Okay, and we found this great quote uh, from uh, Ian Gray of Story Together on BoardGameGeek.com. But StoryTogether.com is his his site too. Yes, um, and uh, he had a, a thread on there called "Balancing Different Tabletop RPG Styles as the GM," mm-hmm. which is very much the topic of our of our, our, our discussion here. Uh, and one of the subsections was called "Walk the Caterer's Walk," and it's fantastic. Um, he says the answer lies in adherence to priority. 
and you're following through with your communication. The caterer has a plan to get people their orders as quickly and efficiently, and you, the DMGM, uh, forge a plan for your players to cater to their needs. You establish a priority in real time. You shine the spotlight, and you move to the next scene. You facilitate fairness amongst the players, ensuring that they all feel fed. To continue the catering analogy, you uh, ultimately you're always in communication with your players, letting them know to be re- uh, know to a reasonable extent what's coming down the pike. Yeah, I mean if you're if you're going to a wedding, mm-hmm. oftentimes you get a card that asks what meal you would like. It doesn't have a blank spot there that says fill in what you want. It gives you options. At that point, it is up to the caterer to take those options, make sure that they work out, and then watch the floor while the meal is going out Mm -hmm. to cater to things as they're needed. Do we need more dinner rolls? Because they're freaking destroying them. Yeah. You know, has nobody touched the little quiches? Or or the salad, you know? Yeah, okay, we don't need any more of those. Stop cooking those things. Exactly, exactly. And that is where... The idea of that constant level of bits of communication so that your players are aware because they're going to change. Now, what we're talking about as far as giving them what they need is maybe you need to add a few combat encounters so that your combat twink understands and, and feels like they're being fed. Or social encounters to feed your social butterfly. You know, or have a few NPCs that you've given some additional thought to because one of your players is going to adopt them like Pokemon, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which we, we have, you we know, have, yeah. and the social intrigue may also be an aspect that you need to add some factions so that that the, those players who are looking for all of the little game details of, game of houses style. You yeah, know. They're, they're right on top of it. Yeah. But the key is, is you're both listening back and forth as these things get thrown out because tastes do change. Mm -hmm. They alter. You may have someone who starts out as the big dumb fighter and ends up wanting to do more social. Yeah. Because they find enjoyment out of it in in this game world. A very very specific example because I had that happen at my table. You definitely did. Uh, When we were running it as a Dungeons & Dragons game, uh, he was. He was just the fighter, you know. Mm -hmm. But in that game system... You have to basically have intelligence and charisma as your dump stats because you need strength, constitution, and dexterity to be your best scores. Like, yep, so yep. having an intelligent, eloquent fighter is not a thing you can really have. Not really. We move over to Savage Worlds and suddenly your charisma style abilities, your persuasion, your fame, your you know things mm-hmm. like that are entirely decoupled because it's classless. Yeah. And so when we made our characters again, he was like, you know... I'd kind of like to be a little bit of a folk hero. I want to kind of have, mm-hmm. I took the fame edge. What can we do with that? Yeah. And I was like, okay, clearly he's telling me he wants to become a social character. Yeah. Okay, great. That's awesome. So I started slipping in things here where like, he's a household name at the local mm-hmm. tavern of like, hey, Regar's here. And people will like stand up and buy him a beer, you know? And it's, it's like Norm showing up to cheers, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he's been he's been absolutely loving that yeah. because he asked for it. He yeah. told me he wanted it in not so many words, you know? Yeah. And the thing was is also you were listening to other aspects. Mm-hmm. For instance, you have another player at the table who was in the previous game very much the shiv shiv, I'm taking care of these problems, doing, you know, nightshade style work, and then coming into Savage Worlds 
decided to that they could now in this space explore the NPCs and start connecting with other people and a little bit more of the narrative story and now is deeply involved with one of the NPCs on a social level. Yeah. Right. Actually, several of the NPCs on a social level. I love it. Um, and it's it's allowed them to have that freedom. Yeah. And that's that's wonderful. And that's I mean, if you look at them almost as two different games, even at the same table, it's discoveries that you had to make and you got the joy to see. Right. As a storyteller. So it's it, you can't just accept at the beginning that this is the way things are going to go. Right. And, and dish out the same and expect the same results. You've got to stay active you you can't rest on your laurels you've got to ask for feedback and and i think the other the other aspect and we, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier too is that um you know some of this stuff is is game mechanic dependent mm-hmm. you know you might have someone who's like i love combat and i love like min maxing my characters for combat but we're playing that system and i hate the combat in that system yeah you know so, yeah, sure, you may know them as the combat twink, but, like, they're not going to be the combat twink if you're playing that system, you yeah. know? Um, and the other thing, too, is, and I, I find this is, for me, very frequent, um, is you have a character idea going in, mm-hmm. and you think you have set proper expectations for the, for the, for the storyteller of what your character will be. What type of story you were looking for. But then once you start engaging with the story, you find that character starts evolving in your head. Mm-hmm. And their experiences shape them in a different way. And suddenly the character you thought was going to be, you know, very manipulative and social now suddenly is like a paranoid wallflower. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who like, you know, tries to manipulate things from the shadows instead of being a social butterfly, yeah. you know. And... And that happens. It does. You know? It does. And I think in asking, one of the hardest things to be in a, as a storyteller, and I, I swear this is one of the hardest things I had to learn, was being able to accept that feedback openly and yes. with an open mind. Yes. Because we're taught to get defensive a little bit about criticism. Right. Especially something we take a lot of time to craft. Oh, I mean, absolutely. You've put your heart and soul into crafting this game. Mm-hmm. You spent countless hours making the NPCs and the scenarios and the world building, especially if it's your own yeah. proprietary world and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's 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 your it's your work of art. It's your baby, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you sit down at this table and you say, "Hey guys, what did you think?" And they go, "Eh." Yeah, that's a stab in the heart, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but the important part is you need you need to ask and you need to be open to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. You said meh. Why did you say meh? Mm-hmm. What fell flat for you? What worked for you? Mm-hmm. What are you expecting out of this now that we've had this section of the story? You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. where do you see this going? Are you confused about anything? You know. Yeah. And you need to when when someone looks you in the eye, and you need to believe that they are going to give you an answer in good faith, you know. And I think the the chances of them acting in good faith increase dramatically the more open and accepting to that feedback you are. Yeah, you know, um, you see it a lot, like on the, on the Food Network. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> we go back back to food again. You know, where where they're standing and you know they're they're like uh, playing chopped or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, and it's like. This tasted like the bottom of my shoes. Thank you, chef. Yeah. Why would you say thank you, chef? Does this taste like the bottom? Because that's feedback. Yeah. 
You got feedback. Because you got feedback from someone who knows what this should taste like and that yours didn't measure up to that. What could you have done better? Yeah. Because often their next statement is, you let this cook too long. It dried out completely. You shouldn't have added so much lemon zest to it. It's all it's overpowering every other flavor in here, and right. it's way under-seasoned. Yeah. Other than the lemon, you know? Yeah. Thank you, chef. Yep. Yep. Cool. You just got so much valuable feedback. Yeah. Now, it seems excoriating mm-hmm. when you're standing there listening to it, but like, no, seriously, this person mm-hmm. just told you how to fix every single problem in your dish. Mm-hmm. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> and- you know, and it's it's not to say that you need to fix every single problem. The yes and kind of gets thrown around. Oh, yeah. And and that you should, but it doesn't apply here. That mm-hmm. That's not what we're doing here. You don't have to accept what a player says and say, oh, I have to change all of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, look, you're going to have some people who are going to be like, I'd be having, oh, yeah, I mean, this game, this game is good, okay, I guess, but I'd be having a lot more fun if my paladin had a holy <sighs> avenger. That doesn't mean that you should give them a holy avenger because your job is to make sure everybody's having fun. Like, that's not how any of this works. Mm-mm. On the other hand, mm-hmm. read between the lines a little bit. Yeah. Sure, this person may have looked you in the eye and said, I want a holy avenger. What is he really saying, though? Mm-hmm. Is he saying, I'm enjoying the power fantasy aspects of my character and that's why I'm showing up? And if I'm allowed to feel powerful, I will enjoy the game more? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, that is a request I can cater to. Mm-hmm. I can I can brew up some situations that flex your power fantasy a little bit without handing you a holy avenger and mm-hmm. entirely unbalancing the entire game. Yeah, but I can I can put you in positions where you want some ass. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And and it's we make it seem like the the feedback might might be something that specific, but a lot of times. It, it can be very subtle in yeah. the way that communication comes across where you have to kind of read between the lines and be open for that feedback to come in regardless of what your vision was. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember a number of times where I would ask for feedback from you guys in my uh, longstanding D&D game. And the thing was is that I had to listen to find out that you guys just weren't enjoying combat anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. I had to hear you say... This took so long and felt like it didn't, you know, like we didn't get anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, or I really like that you handled this combat like a dramatic situation. It just it still felt weird. Yeah. You know, the, the less we engaged with Dungeons and Dragons combat with the more the happier we were, which which led me to the fact that I needed to start making adventure scenarios that were tighter mm-hmm. that could let you guys play with your characters. Awesome stats and abilities like your fight with Bulgren. Yeah. That gave you a, a very pinpoint. It was only two of you and a couple of people and one strong foe. So it was very narrow. Mm-hmm. But it lets you enjoy that power fantasy moment yeah. when you wanted it. And you knew and you knew Ravana was a power fantasy character for me. Whereas and so you put me in a situation where my arch nemesis was in front of me and an easy target. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't make it easy on me from a numerical standpoint, nope. but I had some pretty darn good roles and I yep. made some smart moves and I had backup from another player, so Whereas the adventure where you guys had to get a bunch of stuff, I let it up to a point where you guys could do a creative ending of your choice. Yeah. That didn't necessarily involve heavy combat. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys were able to work through the scenario and let everybody work together to create the solution. Yeah. yeah. And in that, it didn't matter that it didn't quite fit exact D&D mechanics to a T. 
it meant that you guys could explore your assets and abilities mm -hmm. in a narrative sense. So sometimes we have to fold a little bit as a storyteller in a new direction while listening. Yeah. And try things that may not be successful. Sure. And and I think that's I think that's the best you can do as a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Now. We are not letting the players off the hook. No. Players, <laughs> you are the other half of this discussion, and I really say half. Yep. Like, this is an equal burden. Um, speaking of which. Speaking of which, uh, episode 120, The Player's Burden. Please go back and listen to it. Please go back and listen to that if you want to understand a little bit more about the player's responsibilities. If, I'm going to say this. If you are new to our podcast, and you are new to gaming, or you've been gaming for 30 years... Go listen to episode 120 and take it to heart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, it's called The Player's Burden. I don't remember what date that was. Ooh, but I can look it back up, but uh, it was a while back. <laughs> about, two, about two and a half years ago, because it was yeah. about half of our current episode. Correct, number. correct. So, so it's good that we're coming back around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now that talks a little bit more about like social etiquette at the mm -hmm, table and some mm -hmm. of that. So it's going to fill in a lot of the blanks that we are... We're going to glaze no, over real fast. Yeah, we're not discussing. So so beginning this part of the player's responsibility, we are going to glaze over a lot of that because we are everyone, we're assuming everyone is coming to the table with the expectation of friendship and collaboration. Mm -hmm. Okay, We're not going to talk about interpersonal conflicts of people being mean or disrespectful or whatever to each other at the table, um, i.e. Wheaton's first rule, don't be a dick, is in full effect. Now. Funny enough, <laughs> mid midway through us working on this show and pulling stuff together in the show sheet today, we literally got a Discord message during this part of our discussion. Yeah, Kil Kilkey from uh, from our Discord says, I've lost count of all the GMs that listed don't be a dick as their one rule, as if that was the pinnacle of group management. It's not. Since any conflict resolution will become a game of find the dick and no one wants to be the dick, least of all, the, the dicks. dicks. <laughs> And it's <laughs> just it's so perfect. accurate. It's so accurate. Absolutely so just perfect. So just don't do that. Um, to wit, all villains are the heroes of their own story. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And you never notice that you're the dick. Yes. So, but we're assuming we're all friends. We're gonna get along. Everyone has each other's best interest at the table in mind and wants to have fun. Exactly. That's and we where we're likewise sitting. Likewise, assume that anyone not meshing with the group for whatever reason isn't doing it in bad faith. They're just trying to have fun exactly. with the group. I.e. the power gamers and murder hobos are not trying to ruin anyone's fun. They're just playing a game and having fun with it and not realizing the others are not yeah. meshing with that. And and as a simple point, talk to them about it. Don't let it linger. Sol Ask the question. And solve in-game problems in-game, out-of-game problems out of game. There you go. Do not try to punish your murder hobo player who is not meshing with the group with in-game punishments. Talk to them as a person. Correct. Yes. That being said, the player's responsibility is they may they must also buy into the game that is being presented or at least be an active participant in crafting what the experience should be. The storyteller teller is not a trained monkey. They are not your personal chef at home where you can just have whatever put before you. you they're, they are not there to entertain you on a personal level. The, you, you are there to try and have fun, to be entertained, and also to be entertaining. Yes. They are as much of a player at the table as you are. I, th I think, and I think that's, I think that's the biggest, like thing that i think a lot of people miss you know 
is that there kind of is an obligation to try to be entertaining for other people. Like, add to the collective fun. Correct. You know? Yep. Roll up your sleeves. Get a little involved. Um, mm -hmm. I know a lot of new players uh, can seem very intimidated. And I un I understand. Like, so don't, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. If you're, like, a new player who's like, oh, I feel too anxious to like really you know do a funny voice or like be the star of a scene or something like that i i get it i get it i'm not i'm not saying that people with social anxiety are bad people or bad players you know but if you're capable whatever you're capable of adding to the collective fun yeah mm -hmm. do it mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. a collaborative storytelling experience yep you exactly. should try and honestly you'd be surprised We've talked. We've actually had a, a past um, a past episode about uh, kind of uh, storytelling as as therapy, mm -hmm, or you mm -hmm. know, get RP games as therapy, and uh, you know, so even if you are someone who does have social anxiety and stuff like that, and you do feel you know like you can't get involved because you know you're 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 timid about it. Mm -hmm. um, you'd be surprised that like when you're in an imaginary space. Like, you have that degree of separation. It's not you being outgoing. It's Serdwin Moonshadow, mm -hmm. the elven archer, who's being outgoing. Yep. And she's a star. Yeah. She can get out there and do those things. You don't have to. Yep. Yep. You can go right back to being a socially anxious introvert. Yep, afterwards. Exactly. But if you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes, that can be a great way of showing yourself that maybe it's not so bad. It's not so scary, you know? Yeah, we're going to get to more of that next month, but I'm going to leave it right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that being said, and, and accepting the buy-in, uh, I also found this quote by uh, Darren G. Miller, and it was on uh, nworld.org on a, a thread there, and that was, my number one rule now is, if the players do not buy into the basic philosophy of the running, uh, running the game that the DM holds, the game will fail. And that's just that the game belongs to everyone at the table, especially the DM. It's easier for them to find a new group that suits their style than for everyone else at the table to regain their sanity and enjoyment after the game implodes. Mm -hmm. So if you're dead set on running a survival, hard, realistic game, and your players literally for the first two sessions are doing nothing but narrative and NPC discovery and sweet talking, and they, they want to go that route of it, right? Mm -hmm. And you're not having it. Don't run it. Walk away before before you try and force it down their throats. Yeah. Because you're gonna. Mm -hmm. Or you're just going to be disappointed, and they're going to be just as disappointed. And some players at the table are not going to mesh. Yeah. It's just not, it, it happens at every table. It's, it's, and it's fine. That is okay. I think we all have a little bit of a, uh, like, it's, it's like a nightmare scenario. Like, what if I have to kick a player out of my game? Well, yeah. okay. I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of fail safes in place before that, before it comes to that. But, uh, yeah, sometimes players don't mesh at your tables. I've, I've left games before. I've uninvited players before. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The world continued to turn and nobody, you know, nobody died. Yeah. It was actually okay. Um, so, yeah, I think it's okay to recognize this, um, you know, that a player may be ill-suited to the story being told. Again, we're keeping, we are, uh, again, Wheaton's first rule is in effect. 
we are assuming people are cool on a personal level Mm -hmm. and that the problem is not, you know, you were a dick to my wife, please leave. It was, I, they're just a murder hobo. They're just, they're just not telling the same story that anyone else is, you know? Um, they want to be a lone wolf. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think it's 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 fine to acknowledge that they're that they're not, you know, that they're ill suited for the story being told, the game is being played, or even the group that they're playing with, you know. Yeah, and I think if their expectations are different from that of the rest of the group, it's not an indictment of them as as person. No, you know? nor the storyteller. You can ask them to adjust their expectations or to leave the table if that's too if it's too incompatible. You know, mm-hmm. that I think Star Trek says it best. You know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean they're a bad person. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. No, you can still hang out and play Monster Hunter tomorrow night. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just weren't meant to play that very specific game together. Yep, I agree. You know, I agree. I, I, I think it is very much of the fact that if you're all going out to dinner, mm-hmm. then there's you know. Six getting six people to agree on dinner is hard enough, but if everybody's like, "Hey, let's go grab some Chinese," and five of the people are like, "Yeah, the, I'm good with that," you know, I can get something there, and blah blah blah, and somebody literally is just like, "I want Mexican. Can we just go to some place that has Chinese and Mexican?" And the group's like, "No, because the Chinese is going to be terrible at a place that has that." Like, or you're I just don't... not going to be able to get it. Like, right. They're not going to provide General So's chicken when at you the walk Mexican in. restaurant. You right, know? exactly. Or, you know, vice versa. So the, the point is, is that, you know, maybe that's not going to work and your expectations have to be set that way. Yeah. So sitting sitting in a Mexican restaurant, being upset that they're not serving you General So's chicken is... On you. Is on you. Yeah. That's not that's not at all on, on the chef, you know? No. So... It's just no matter and, and no matter how much you complain to the chef, they're not going to make you General Zoe's chicken. They will ask you what type of burrito you want. You know, Knox, so, Knox says so many food analogies. Thank God I've already eaten. Same here. We were literally writing this show sheet. and I'm like, oh, my God, so much food. I'm so much food. I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. At this point in the say where how did how is it said? Uh, I'm not going to apologize for my, for anything except my tone. Yeah, I'm a, I am I'm a swiftly aging Polish woman, so I'm getting close to Polish grandma age. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you eat, just get, you just skinny, you you eat. I, yeah. I make you food, you eat. Yes, but I already had dinner, grandma. No, you no, eat. Here, no, I, I, yeah, yeah. I I make you I make you sandwich. Yes, yeah. So we have some Discord questions that are quite good. Yeah, right. All right. Some of these we may have already answered. I, I really haven't kept track. <laughs> he says, so. I do not ask for an apology. We can always talk. For you. <laughs> fair enough. Fair, fair enough. enough. All right. Nevim asks, uh, how do you help someone new at the table be comfortable? Uh, pillows, a uh, blanket sometimes, maybe a whoopee. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, warm cup of coffee or tea. Yeah. Depends on, on what they pat, like. Pat on the head. But I think that's the key is set what the situation is for them. I think the best thing you can always do for a player is is let them know what you what's expected at the table and how the game is going to go. Because if they don't have a clear example, like if they've never ever had pizza in their life, mm-hmm. and you're saying, hey, we're ordering pizza, and they're like, uh, do I need special utensils? They're not, they may not ask that question. Sure. 
You know, sure. when the pizza comes and some people are eating it backwards and some people are eating it from the point and other people are using a knife and fork, they're confused as hell. Someone, some, we're, we're in Detroit. Someone has poured ranch on their pizza. 100%. That yes. has happened. That has happened. Regardless <laughs> of what the toppings are, regardless. But the point is, is that the best you can do is help them by framing it for them. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's good. To, it's good to set expectations so that things aren't, uh, such a shock to them, mm-hmm. but I think, uh, it's very careful. You have to carefully f- set those expectations for them mm-hmm. so that they don't think that there is a, so they don't get culture shock. I correct. Guess, you know, correct. you don't want them to think that like they're a newbie to a very established and rigid social structure that has a certain way it has to go. That is a completely alien culture to them and make them feel alienated before they ever get there. AKA, hey, I'm looking to play some D&D with my friends, uh, you know, or play with you and your friends for D&D. Well, uh, is there anything I can I, I, I need to know? Uh, just watch some critical role. Do not. Do, do not, not do not do that. You may love Critical Role, but that is intimidating as hell. Yeah, of like, <laughs> oh, okay, so everybody's a professional voice actor. Cool. And I have to be socially ready. Yeah. No, that's yeah. okay. I can't do that. Yeah. Sorry. Hard. Hard. No. Hard pass. Uh, uh, the I think the other the other major thing that I do to make new players feel comfortable is um, yes, anding them super hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because I think one of the big things that like new players feel uh, weird about is like. Am I doing this right? They're yes. looking for that validation of like, I'm putting myself out there, and this is a little low key embarrassing because I'm a 40 year old person playing make believe. Mm-hmm. You know, can I? You know, it's it's a little awkward, mm-hmm. but you all look like you're having fun, and it looks like fun, so I'm gonna try it. Yeah, and the best thing you can do for that person is never, ever, ever make them feel like a fool. Yeah. I saw a recommendation and I kind of liked it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was uh, someone said for new people, treat it like a new person at karaoke. Give them a soft pitch to start with. What what songs do you know by heart? Yeah. That everyone else will sing with them. Yeah. So in the case of a table, give them a character to play at first. Don't make them make a whole character from cold cloth. Hand them sweet Caroline so that everybody at the table goes, bump, Bum, exactly. at the appropriate place and they feel like a rock god yeah like just literally hand them a character that they can look at and say oh i need to be this person mm-hmm. that i already know like if i was gonna do an adventure story and someone had never played adventure before i'd be like what movies do you know that are like on that are like an adventure like story that are, that are on this list they'd be like, oh i like the mummy mm-hmm. okay so would you like to be a I don't know, female explorer who's only ever lived in a museum but knows a lot of things about mummy culture and is kind but has a mean right hook? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okie dokie. You are her. You put your dots here, you put your dots here, and you put a one right there. Okay, if you don't good. like this in literally two sessions, new character. New character. We'll change it. We're we'll going to start it. right here. There's nothing you can do wrong with this character. Yeah. And literally soft pitch them right into it. Take that pressure off of them and just yeah. let them let them have some fun with it. The second uh, question. Well, hold on a second. No- Knox actually asks a, kind of a follow-up question in, oh. the, in the live chat. He says, how can you have fun if you're fighting with yourself about whether you're selling it or not? Okay. As a player. As a player. Uh, l- l- um, I'm going to put this as bluntly as I can. Lighten up. It's yeah. a game. Yeah. Like, you, you're not... 
your job is not on the line. You nope. are not a professional actor. Not you, the least. you will work in this town again. Yes. Uh, your agent is not on the phone. Nope. Um, and there is no money to be shown. Nobody else is putting that pressure on you except for you. Correct. Uh, so just take a deep breath and realize that we're all goofballs doing funny voices while we play with dice and, and little, dolls and little plastic men. Yep. Uh, at, yeah. At a, at a table. Yep. Deep breath. Deep breath. Yeah. Have fun. It ain't, it ain't that deep. Sing some sweet Caroline. It's yep. great. You don't have to sell, you don't have to sell crap. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of a hypothetical. But yep, it's the no, truth. But it was a serious question, and we're going to answer it because yep. you asked it in the live chat. Okay. So, How do you help others to include the newcomer? Sing Sweet Caroline with them. Sing Sweet Caroline with them and go bum, bum, bum at the appropriate place and make them feel like a rock god. Yeah, basically just when they succeed and they feel like they're succeeding, not by the dice. Yes. But by the player. By their choices. Yes. Uh, you know, okay, Lean well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to run up to the orc and okay, maybe that was a tactical mistake because that orc is about to whoop their ass, but what maybe are you gonna go, do? maybe go, oh, dude's all in. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to rush up there with them. Right. Just, you know, just, just sell it, Ex- sell it with them. Exactly. Roll, roll into it. Get, get behind them, back their play a little bit, you know, and let them, let them engage in their, I think probably the quickest way is to like cater to their power fantasy, you mm-hmm. know, if that's what they're doing, once they come out of their shell and put themselves out there, you have to back that play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, Kilke asks, uh, what is your motto for keeping up group harmony? We have said this since the beginning of our show. Oh, God, what did we say? Communication, communication, yeah. communication. Oh, yeah, communication if you, is key. Everyone at the table needs to communicate, and that is the hardest thing, is to get communication in a comfortable, accepting way, and to make sure it happens between the players and between the players and the storyteller, so that everybody, both during the game as well as during feedback, are communicating about it. It is the thing that saves every relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Uh hard agree. Um I also have I also have another motto. That's it. I'm out. All right. Bye. Go ahead. Uh no, my 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 other motto like and this is this is because this is the one thing I can do. Communication's a group effort. It is. But the one thing I can make sure I am doing as mm-hmm. the storyteller is making sure that I am a good caterer. Mm-hmm. You know, that I'm recognizing Actively listening and recognizing the the orders at my table, mm-hmm. what particular style of story they want served up for them, and make sure that I'm cooking the best food that I can for them for those particular tastes, mm-hmm. and making sure that I am serving everyone at least once per session. There you go. You know? A little nobody, bit. Nobody goes home hungry. Yep. Yep. You can't always do it every time. But I can try. But you can try. But I can try. And you can make notes to do it the next time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If I if I don't, and like my last game session, I didn't. No. You know, I didn't do a great job of it at all, and that was and that was a key piece of feedback I got. Mm-hmm. But you know, and I asked, what could I do? And you guys said immediately, you're like, take turns around the table. And I was yeah. like, why didn't I do that? Why did I just let people just run roughshod all over the scene, which allowed other people to be backseated? Because it happens. Because it happens. Because I was just too into the scene, just like you guys were, and I just didn't notice, you yep. know. But you, I can take that. But I can take involved. that feedback in good. Fi- yeah. How involved? Very, Very involved. involved. Yes. Uh, but I can take that feedback yep. and I make can a little sticky note for yourself. Make a little sticky note for myself. Go around the damn table this time. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, JJNX. 
What does healthy gaming group look like? <sighs> it's approximately 1.6 meters in height. About... <laughs> um, as much as I'd like to point to something uh, directly, um, I'm going to say it's really hard. I Because you can't... There, there's no good example of feedback that I can give that's visible. I would say that a healthy gaming group is one that under that takes the time to rec- that everyone is an active listener when the question at the opening of the game is how is everyone doing and it's not just the storyteller listening there it's mm-hmm. everybody at the table that during the game if there are struggles there are people taking the time to step back and listen and help those people enjoy the game and that at the end you aren't just saying yeah it was a good time yeah. At what what about it? Uh, you know, it was just it was fun. That's not helpful for anyone at the table. Right, right. At the same time, when you do communicate troubles, that you're doing it with the best intentions uh toward everyone. You're not saying that someone was a problem. Mm-hmm. Because they weren't. Because you didn't say anything then. Yeah. It is one thing to stop a scene. Because there's a critical problem. It's another at the end to say, hey, Sarah, um, you had asked if I if I had a good time. And really, I did. But like, two out of ten really wasn't that big of a deal. But it felt like that like I really didn't get to do much. Mm-hmm. I, I think I rolled dice once. I think I got to interact in a scene maybe once. Mm-hmm. I loved the story. It was great. I got to see a lot. Not everybody gets to be in the light every time. But there was some push in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. And if that was your intention, that's great. Yeah. That's great. But that feedback right there, I didn't knock on another player who was in the limelight. Right, right. I didn't immediately tear down my storyteller to saying, hey, you wrote the story for them. Where's my story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I gotta. I have to accept my responsibility that during that scene I wasn't like, hand up. Hey, I'm over here. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's on me, right? So that's that is the best you can do in a good group. That is what I would see a best group. And again, all of that is communication. All of that is the storyteller taking the time to listen and accept the feedback. And just being active when it counts. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I think that's a, that's a that's a extraordinarily complete answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree with literally every word you said. Uh, my, my, my simple version of this answer is at the end of your game. When you say, did everyone have fun? You get universal yeses. And when you ask for feedback, like, some people have like, uh, yeah, no, I mean, maybe maybe the combat session could have gone a little quicker, but really nothing. Like, you know when, like, that's the strongest feedback you get at the end of your game, your 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 group is in a good zone. Yeah. Your, your people aren't bringing up major gripes with you and stuff like that. Like, you're not yeah. having a lot of interpersonal... When you just people, when people just show up, they have fun and they leave. Like yeah. that's I, that's a good gaming group. You the know? other one that gets me is uh, uh, is that moment when you you recognize the GM. You have that one brief second where you look at the clock and you realize you're about. You know you're going to go over your time, but everybody is invested. Everybody's leaning in, and they're, and they're like, all like wanting to push. And you ask that question: Do you guys want to keep going? And they're all like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that you need to stop. Yeah. In the in your mind's heart, you in in heart, you know this is the time to stop. That is good mm-hmm. because you have them. 
you're with them, you need to keep going because you feel it, but that burnout will hit. Yeah. And you know you're like, we will pick this up next session. And <laughs> they're are... all like, oh! <laughs> if, if we continue into the combat section, y'all are going to be hangry in an hour. And yeah. that, that's not going to be good for anybody. No. And so that's it. As far as tips for aspiring GMs on managing your gaming group, I'm going to check you on the word managing. Because we don't manage our group. It is a group effort. Yeah. We're all, all adults at the table. Yeah. And kind of needs to be a group effort, yeah. But earlier we talked about some of your responsibilities as a storyteller and being an active listener and being able to gracefully accept feedback, I think, are the two one of the two biggest things that you need to yeah. do. I, I, I think probably, yeah, the, the, the real answer to this question is we, we already kind of answered the, the storyteller's side of the responsibilities, but we do want to especially for a sp- aspiring GMs mm-hmm. as your as your question asks um nip it in the bud that we are not managing the group no we are not babysitters we are not coordinators like we're already running the damn game which yeah. is a lot to be doing uh you know uh, to begin with but then when you have to work through scheduling problems and interpersonal problems and blah blah just mm-mm. Ask people to be adults. Divvy up responsibilities. Ask for help. Ask for help. Yeah, yeah, straight up. Uh, do you want to do you want to dip into that one from the live chat real quick, or do you want to finish up with Sci-Fi Tough Guy here? Let's let's do Sci-Fi Tough Guy, and then we'll dip that last one. All right, cool, cool, cool. So Sci-Fi Tough Guy asks, uh, how much group Discord is uh, not not the not the the application, but the actual Discord, as in disagreement? How much group Discord is healthy? And how much is detrimental? When you feel that you have to look at your watch. <laughs> so there are players at the table, at my table, mm-hmm. that I use as my barometer for the Discord at the table. I'm going to sit back for a second here. I, At any point where I feel like maybe the, the, the Discord has gone on a little too long, I look at Steve and I look at Vicky. Mm-hmm. And if they are distracted if they are rolling their eyes if they are leaning back from the table and kind of giving me exasperated glances of like wow this has gone on for then it is too much yep they they are my canaries in my coal mine yeah because sometimes your players who are in the discord don't know time has passed yeah they're just they're just having a good time thinking that they're doing a planning session and it's or, just been going on or having a, a between character argument mm-hmm. or working through something and nobody else notices that it's happening or right. they, they don't notice it's happening whereas everyone else the time is ticking by every second yeah. it feels like watching one of the worst commercials ever yeah 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 nobody likes that uh, so yeah, I, I would say, I mean, how, how much is healthy and how much is detrimental? It becomes detrimental the moment somebody at your table stops having fun with it. Yep. Yep. Step it away. Yep. That's it. And you just got to keep a careful eye on body language expressions because people won't usually say anything. Yeah. And, and I think that leads to the second question was how does one tell where the line is and when it's been crossed? And the answer is it's not the people in the discord. It's the rest of the tables yes. witnessing that discord. Yes. Yes. And and honestly, if if you are asking the question of yourself of has this gone too far, it has. Then it probably has. Yep. It's probably time. Like and and like I'll do this occasion where I'll be like, okay, look, hold on, hold on, guys, 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 guys. Okay, you, you, we've got a lot of good ideas out there of yep. what we think should happen. Clearly, you and you feel very strongly mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. your particular plans. Mm-hmm. 
Let's put this. I'm going to take control of the situation here because I feel like you could go on for hours about Mm -hmm, this. mm -hmm. Let's just put it up to a vote. Everybody who wants to do character A's plan, raise your hand. Everybody who wants to do character B's plan, raise your hand. Everybody who thinks both of those plans are BS and and didn't get the chance to speak up, speak up now. Okay. I see all three hands for character A's plan, two two hands for character B's plan, and nobody said that uh, they wanted they had an alternative plan. We're going with character A's plan. Character A, can you restate your plan very clearly for the rest of the group so they know what the next scene will be and how we'll start? Yep. And how we'll start? Yep, I love it. All right, we do have a Discord question here. Uh, yeah, so Knox in the Box asks, uh, this is kind of a follow-up to me saying going around the table to mm-hmm. give everybody a bit of attention. Um, <laughs> is it more appropriate for the GM to go around the table, or is there a responsibility for the players to fight for their own needs and spotlight? Or is that just a bunch of lead singers singing over each other? I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think, I think you should speak up if you have something to say. Get something, get involved. I, I think a proactive player is better than a reactive player in the sense that if you want to feel involved with the story, you should you should get involved. That's what you're there for. You're an yeah. active participant in the story. If you feel that you're being stepped over, make sure in your feedback at the end, your storyteller knows that. Yes. So that they can then tell you, okay, you know, maybe I need your hand up because I didn't hear you. Right, right, right. Or, or maybe I need to go around the table, or maybe whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and but I, I think um, there again, it's keeping an eye on your players, reading body language, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, I think going around the table has worked out for me more often than just letting things go free form mm-hmm. because. There are characters at, or I should say, players at my table who will shrink to the back if not actively engaged. Yep. Um, and I think when you do actively engage them, you're going to be surprised what they have to add to the to the to the scene. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I agree. So I, I, yeah, I would say it's it's probably better to go around. Yeah. If you're if you are worried, go around. But players should be encouraged to jump in where they where they need to. Yep. So. Okay. All right. Next week is our second Wednesday of the month. It is our System Spotlight. System Spotlight time again, guys. And we're talking about Wonder Home. This is a system that I've heard name-dropped a bunch of mm-hmm, times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I actually believe I have a copy of it. I haven't cracked it open. I don't know anything about it. Isn't that awesome? Um, but it's a slice of life uh, RPG where players explore the characters versus the world around them through conversations and moves. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kind of see what this. I, I I think it's it's been kind of a kind of described as like a a real chill system and a real chill like storytelling experience. Yeah, it, um, I've uh, when we get into it more, there's there's definitely some things that are likened to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be a good framing for those games as well uh and we'll reference that but yeah it's definitely more narrative and definitely more player driven yeah in a lot yeah. of ways so looking forward to doing so, that, so. we will uh, we'll explore that uh that system next week until then though you can find us on twitter at st underscore conclave on instagram at st underscore conclave 
Uh, listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller-Conclave. And join us on our Discord. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, grab the, uh, the toss us some questions to answer on the air, to discuss your campaign with the great storytellers that are on there, things like that. Uh, you can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members who assist us every single month, especially our named members, Knox in the Box, Subject, Arcane Asylum, Veteran, Hulavu, Sam, Sean, and Sparkle Motion. We truly appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find them on Instagram or Patreon uh, as Arcane Anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on YouTube Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints of the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank, Thank you so you. much for loving and supporting us. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over these years to give these great stories to share with you. And you, every single one of our listeners, we love you guys so much. Love you guys. Good night. Good night.